This Bible reading comes from Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 to 25. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet, the virgin will conceive and will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate the marriage until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. I think you should put your hands together. What a beautiful song that was. Thank you. It's great to have musicians and singers who are giving their life to serve Christ in this way, to bless us, and to encourage us to focus on Christ this Christmas. Friends, my elderly 88-year-old father lamented the other day, he said to me, how long is this COVID thing going to go on for? We all feel a bit like that, don't we? We're sick and tired of learning Greek letters. Now, from a Greek, that's saying something, isn't it? Alpha, Delta, Omicron, enough already. Okay? And all the ones they haven't told us about. And then not only is there COVID everywhere, but then there's tragedy, that terrible tragedy in Tasmania. Tornadoes that wreak mayhem in the United States. The typhoon that has just hit the Philippines. Corrupt governments that oppress other, their, their own people that they meant to love and care for. Civil wars that bring terrible suffering to those in Yemen, for example. The most affected country in the world, the greatest poverty at the moment, and many other nations. And we bring it home to Australia where there is loneliness and financial stress and the sadness and the brokenness of divorce or sexual assault, anxiety, depression, tragedy, and even death. And just this week, two people from our church have lost family members. And we ask uh, the question, even in the middle of Christmas, amongst the trees and the baby and the sheep and the Josephs and the Marys, does God understand our pain? Does he care? Does Christmas really change anything? Friends, as we look at that theme tonight, uh, I read a, a piece of prose a number of years ago called The Long Silence. And it brought things into perspective for me on what was happening in my life, what was happening in the people's lives around me. Because does God care? Does God know? Does God understand? And it goes like this. It says, at the end of time, picture this, the end of time... Billions of people were seated on a great plain before God's throne. There they are, billions scattered, and there's God up the front. It says, most shrank back from the brilliant light before them. In the presence of God, they shrank back. But some groups near the front talked heatedly, not cringing with shame, but with belligerence. Can God judge us? How can he know about suffering, they said. There's this pert young brunette who had suffered in a Nazi concentration camp. We endured terror, beatings, tortured death, she says. What right has God 
have to judge us. And then there was another group, you see, of African Americans. And there's a young African American boy who lowered his collar. What about this, he says? Lynched for no crime but being black. In another group, there was a pregnant schoolgirl with sullen eyes. Why should I suffer? It wasn't my fault, she says. And far out across the plain were hundreds of such groups. Each had a complaint against God for the evil and suffering he permitted in this world. He's a big God. Why did he permit it? How lucky they said God was to live in heaven, where all was sweetness and light, where there was no weeping or fear or hunger or hatred. What did God know of all that mankind had been forced to endure in this world? For God lives, they said, a pretty sheltered life. So each of these groups sent forth their leader, chosen because he had suffered the most, a Jew, an African-American, a person from Hiroshima, a horribly, horribly deformed athletic child. And in the center of the vast plain, they consulted with each other. And at last, they were ready to present their case before God. It was rather clever. Before God could be qualified to be their judge, he must endure what they had endured. Their decision was that God should be sentenced to life on earth as a man. Let him be born a Jew, they said. Let the legitimacy of his birth be doubted. Give him a work so difficult that even his own family will think that he's out of his mind. More than that, they said, let him be betrayed by his closest friends. Let him face false charges, be tried by a prejudiced jury and convicted by a cowardly judge. Let him be tortured, they said. And at last, let him see what it means to be terribly alone. Then let him die so there can be no doubt that he died, they said. And let there be a great host of witnesses to verify it. And as each leader announced his portion of the sentence, loud murmurs of approval went up from the throng of the people assembled. When the last had finished pronouncing sentence, there was a long silence. No one uttered another word. No one moved. For suddenly, all knew that God had already served his sentence. At Christmas, God stepped into human history to change the world, to suffer for us, to die for us, to defeat death for us, to give us hope for now and for all of eternity. God steps into human history and says we are not alone in the universe. We have a God who is on our side, who cares for us deeply. Our God, the Christian God, is not distant nor aloof. He understands our pain. He became one of us. He walked in our shoes. And that's why the Bible says that Jesus is Emmanuel, which means God with us. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son. They had to call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. And Matthew sees that a fulfillment of the Old Testament prophecy we had in Isaiah chapter 9. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. And what will he be called, this son? Wonderful counselor, mighty God, you see. This is God in human flesh. This is God the Son, everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. When someone questions the love of God, we need to look at that child. 
represented there in that manger. Because when we see that child, we see God. We see the humility of God. We see the grace of God. We see the mercy of God. We see the love of God. Because that child left heaven to come to earth. You see, the creator became part of his creation. Now, you need to know that the Muslim, for example, calls this blasphemy. God would never limit himself to flesh and blood, they say. It's absurd to think of God needing to eat, to sleep, or go to the toilet. But what the Muslim, for example, calls blasphemy is, in fact, the crowning jewel of Christianity. Charles Haddon Spurgeon, a great Christian pastor from a previous century, wrote about Jesus, infinite and yet an infant, eternal and yet born of a woman, almighty and yet hanging on a woman's breast, supporting a universe, yet needing to be carried in his mother's arms, king of angels, and yet the reputed son of Joseph, heir of all things, and yet the carpenter's despised son. Oh, the wonder of Christmas, he writes. Oh, the wonder of Christmas, all right. Jesus born in a little town called Bethlehem. No fancy hospital, not even a trendy home birth. No room in the Bethlehem Hotel, put out the back probably in a barn. Instead of being laid in a beautiful cot, as many of you will lay your children, he's put in a manger, an animal feeding trough. It's amazing what our God is like. See, friends, the man who started Buddhism was a wealthy and powerful prince. The man who started Islam was a renowned and fearsome warrior. The bloke who started Christianity was born in a shed. But more than that, he spent most of his life unknown and ended up being executed as a criminal. But friends, this Son of God, this God in human flesh, didn't remain a babe, but grew up to fulfill his mission in the world. And what a mission it was. Read one of the Gospels, will you? Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John in the Bible, if you've never done it before. Come face to face with this man, Jesus, and watch him. Compassion to the lonely and the needy. He loved the poor and the outcast. He reached out to the sick. He raised the dead. He wept with the hurting. A God with feelings and emotions who cares for us. He antagonized the religious leaders. He threatened the ruling authorities and he divided the crowds. And experienced the pain that we suffer. Loneliness, rejection, injustice, torture and a cruel, horrific death on the cross normally reserved for the, the worst of the worst in the criminal justice system. Here's God with us. Let me ask you tonight, whether you're in this auditorium or watching on live stream, are you hurting this Christmas? Many of you are. You have a story. You have things that have taken place in your life, maybe even this year, and you wonder where God is. Let me tell you, he's on the side of the sick, the lonely, the depressed, the rejected, the unemployed, the grieving, the spiritually empty, even the spiritually dead. God wants to bring new life to you today. Are you hurting? God knows what it means to hurt. And he can bring you peace and hope and healing and salvation. He can save you. Love the story told by Australian speaker and former singer John Dixon. He wrote a book many years ago. I read it that we used to use with our teenagers. It's called A Hell of a Life. It's how he described the life of Jesus. And he describes in there uh, one day when he was in a band called In the Silence, 
traveling to a women's prison in South Australia. So I was invited to sing and to speak. I was nervous. I'd never been in that situation before. He says, I bumbled my way through the concert and, and we got to meet the, the women after, after the, uh, the performance. We had uh, tea and coffee with them and, and so on. We heard about their lives, what they'd been through, how they ended up in prison, the abuse that they had experienced and the evil that had been done against them and the way in which they turned violence. So I went home broken and I, I can picture a God of love and I see these women, what, what can I do? And he said, I wrote a song about the guilty verdict that stands over these ladies' lives and how Jesus is able to turn it, at least in God's eyes, into an innocent verdict, from guilty to innocent. So a year later, I was invited back to the same prison. It must have done pretty well the first time. So there we were. And I, 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 at the end of the night, he said, I sang the song I wrote for the women. I told him, I've written a song for you. And, and said, I wasn't very good at it. I tried my best. But it was bizarre, he said. By the end of it, every woman was becoming teary. He said, there were tears coming down faces everywhere. People had to put their faces down. They just couldn't handle hearing this. It was almost like it was too much but a glimmer of hope and of joy that there might be a God who would take all of our sins and wipe the slate clean and give us a second chance. So if only it were true that someone could forgive me and give me a clean slate in life. Friends, the good news of Christmas is there is such a man. His name is Jesus. He is God's son. And if we come to him, he takes away our sin, we find peace with God, and he comes to live in us by his Holy Spirit to start to live this new life, this empowered life, this meaningful life, a life with a purpose and a direction. Because not only is Jesus God with us, he is Jesus the one that saves. Matthew 1.21, remember that verse, you will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save or rescue his people from their sins. Now, if you wonder where the name Jesus means God saves, it, it's derived from the Old Testament name Joshua. And Joshua means Yahweh or God is salvation. And so the name of Jesus, it, yeah, it's a clever ploy by God, isn't it? Call him Jesus because it'll speak about what he will do. He will bring salvation to us. And Don Carson writes, a New Testament scholar, he says, you know, God didn't send us an economist and he didn't send us a comedian. He didn't send us a doctor. He didn't send us a politician. He sent us a savior. Because our greatest need involved our sin, our alienation from him, our profound rebellion, even our death. God knew what we needed, so he sent Christ to be our savior. He will save his people from their sins. I must say at Christmas, it's one of the most difficult things to get across to people. Because I had someone say to me once, what do you mean he came to save me? Oh, I, I didn't need saving. I mean, I'm pretty good. What do you mean I need saving? I'm, I have a house, I have money, I have a job, I have children, I've got a lot of food for Christmas, and I have money to buy gifts. What do you mean I need saving? You see, when you're surrounded by all these beautiful things, especially in Australia, we don't think we need saving from anything. Maybe from COVID. Okay, we'll give you that one. But he didn't realize that his sin or his failings alienated him from God and he needed someone to restore that relationship. And I remember a few years ago, I was walking around a Roseland Shopping Centre just up, up the road and they were playing the song, not simply Christmas carols, but they were playing Amazing Grace, the hymn. Now, that's a slap in the face song, by the way, Amazing Grace, if you didn't notice. 
You know what it says? When you sing that, listen to this. You sing at, they sing at the great carols events. They sing at the great funerals everywhere. Christians are non-Christians. The words go like this. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound. Now, grace is good. It means God's favor, undeserved favor, God's generosity to us. That's good. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found, was blind, but now I see. Friends, no one comes to Jesus until they realize they're a terrible wretch. That means a miserable and worthless creature. I mean, not that bad. You think, well, I'm bad, but, you know, not that bad. Well, don't sing that hymn. Because <laughs> really it's saying, God, I don't meet your standards and I'm under your judgment and I need a saviour, that's Jesus. The author of the hymn, John Newton, he knew he was a wretch, he knew he was lost, he knew he was blind, he was a slave trader. He abused these slaves. He made money from them. And then he met Jesus. And Jesus changed his heart. And he looked at his past life and said, "Why wow, I was a terrible wretch. Thank God for his grace. I couldn't save myself. He says, God saved me through Jesus, through Jesus' death on a cross for me. He went on to become an Anglican minister. Once lost, now found. Once blind, now see. Once a wretch, now transformed by Jesus. Friends, Christmas reminds us that we've all sinned, rebelled against God and gone our own way. And the only way back to God is by trusting in Jesus. You know, I was at a wedding reception just to illustrate how far sometimes we fall from God's standards. And we were at a wedding reception and next door was a work Christmas party. And there was a lot more drinking taking place in that work Christmas party next door, let me tell you. It was loud, people going out everywhere. And then, um, then we noticed that one of our friends told us that we just saw this couple come out of the bushes, so be careful what I say here. And a woman was fixing up her, her, her dress, her skirt, saying, my husband is not going to be very happy about this. Too right he won't be. <laughs> but I wonder how many times we sin in different ways. And we try to cover it up. But we get to the point where we realize we fail God and we need a saviour. For the wages of sin is death, the Bible says. Spiritual death now, physical death in the future, eternal death for eternity. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Friends, I was 15 years of age when I came to understand that message. And one night I just received Jesus to be my Lord and my Savior. I said to God, I am sorry for my bad attitudes. I'm sorry for the way I've treated other people. I'm sorry for the way I've treated you, God. Please forgive me. I put my faith and trust in Jesus' death on the cross in my place. I believe in his resurrection. I now want to be filled with the Holy Spirit. I want to live your way. Friends, and for 46 years, God has been true to his word. He has never left me, never forsaken me. He's empowered me to live for him and for his glory. God can do the same for you. And if you're a Christian already, you know God can do that for you. John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Is it any wonder that... Uh, especially in America at sporting events, someone's always holding up a sign 316, right? You've probably seen it in the movies, in the sitcoms, 316, 316. Whenever you see 316, they're the verses of hope. But the hope that came down. It doesn't matter who you are, what you've done, if you believe in the Lord Jesus, you won't perish, but you will have eternal life. 
As I conclude, let me tell you about a true story of a man who was uh, converted in his old age. As a man who would come in and out of church, maybe Christmas, maybe Easter, one or two other times, they had a friend that would bring them to church from time to time. And yet, uh, people had prayed for decades that this man would see his need of Jesus and receive the free gift of eternal life. Hard and resistant. Didn't want to know. It's like just over his head the whole time. And one day, just like a gathering like this, he heard that message. He was up the back. At the end of the service, the, the minister invited people to give their life to Jesus and to, to walk to the front, as they often do in the States. And he, this man walked to the front. Every eye was glued on him. Can you imagine? Decades praying for this man. Finally, had the courage to walk to the front, humble himself, sat down with the pastor and prayed together and asked for forgiveness and received Jesus as his Lord and Savior. But having received Christ as Lord and Savior and he's found amazing grace, he then said, I've wasted it. I've wasted it. People said, what do you mean? You wasted it. You wasted it. I said, all of my life, I've wasted it. I could have done something more meaningful with my life, but I've wasted it. And if you're a younger person tonight, let me urge you not to waste your life. Jesus is a great Savior. Let him rescue you. And let him lead you. Invest your life in things of eternal value. Don't hold back. If God is calling you to go and serve him, to minister to others, to bless others, to help, to volunteer in this local church or across the globe, go. Do what he wants you to do. You only have one life. If you're an older person, maybe sitting here tonight thinking, yeah, pretty much, I've wasted it too. I haven't done much with my life. I haven't really lived for Jesus. You know, I token... Acknowledgement, acknowledgement of him from time to time. Oh, I've lived a tough life, didn't want to follow God. It's still time for you to come home. It's still time for you to come home. The Bible says only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. It's encouragement tonight as we worship Christ, we truly worship him from our hearts, that we would sing. It's very hard to sing with masks. I can't even hear myself singing. It's probably a good thing you can't hear me singing. Okay, be kind. <laughs> I come to him. All of the angels lifted up their voices in this item we heard and filled the night with hallelujahs. God is with us now. Everyone come and join the heavenly chorus. Our Savior King is here before us, all to hear the sound the song creation sang when hope came down. And let me say tonight, uh, if you'd like to know more about Jesus and to explore it further, in the foyer after the service, you'll find a copy of the New Testament or the Holy Bible. You can read the story for yourself. Please take one. As well as that, you'll find in the foyer a couple of tracks, uh, White Christmas, Two Ways to Live, The Choice We All Face. And there's this book we were advertising last month, Seven Reasons to Reconsider Christianity. Seven Reasons and Why You Can Trust Jesus, that you can put your faith in Him that is real, is a man of history who died and rose again for you. And if you come to our church regularly here at Nawi, we're going to charge you $10, unless you really can't afford it. But if you're visiting tonight, especially, we'd love to give it to you for free. You just go up to the back counter and say, how I'm visiting tonight, and you just take one of those. We'd love you to take it and read it and get to know Jesus better this Christmas. Friends, we're going to sing again, because the angels brought a beautiful message, didn't they? About a great saviour. I invite the music team to come forward.